0: Amen. Amen. God bless you. God bless you for your giving this morning. I'd like to introduce Pastor Mike O'Brien. He is going to be ministering the Word of God this morning. Would you open up your heart? Amen. Open up your heart to receive what God would speak through him. Uh, This morning, as I was reading through the Bible, I noticed that the very passage of Scripture, he didn't know that. Only God can plan that, and I only believe God. it was just a confirmation, but yeah. Ezekiel 47 was my Bible reading, so I screenshot <laughs> it, sent it to him, and he said, well, what a confirmation. Yeah. Imagine, only God could put that together yeah. on the very day, that message, so yeah. we believe God has a word for us this morning. Open up your heart, open up your spirit to hear what the Spirit has to say, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen, amen. Good morning, church you excited to be in the house of the Lord? Yeah. I know I am. How many people are still stuffed from Thursday? We had a great Thanksgiving, so but well, I am excited, as Pastor said, to get to break bread with you this morning and just share what God wants to speak to us today. And so I just want to thank Pastor Richard again for the opportunity, because it really is an honor to be able to stand here and, and share God's word. So let's just go to the Lord in prayer, and let's jump into the scripture. Father, we thank you. For your word, God, and I just pray for every person in the sanctuary, every person listening on the live stream, Lord, that our hearts would be opened, Lord, that our minds would be softened, God, to hear what you want to speak. Holy Spirit, give us an understanding of how to comprehend your message, God, in our workplaces, with our families, and Lord, even while we're serving here at Victory. Father, we seal what has been done in the worship time, in your presence, and God, we look forward to just a breakthrough in our lives from your word this morning, which is life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 And as Pastor was saying, that is awesome that God just confirms his word. And and so we are going to be in the book of Ezekiel, and we're going to be in the 47th chapter. Um, you know, I wanted to share, you know, how many of you have ever um, done something or gone through something and you just we're so excited to share it with someone. Anyone ever experienced that where something happened in your life and you have that certain person in your life, could be your wife, your husband, your brother, your sister, your best friend, where when something happens, you just immediately wanna go share it with them. You wanna tell them all about it, the, the excitement of the experience, the excitement of the encounter. You know, I remember back in the day when I, was, um, when I had graduated Uh, high school, so this was 2003, I had a um, celebrity crush, and uh, it was uh, Giada De Laurentiis. Anyone ever hear of her? She's a very popular, well-known chef on the Food Network, and I remember a friend of mine, Jeff, we heard that she was coming to our hometown, and so we freaked out, and uh, we ended up going to the place where she was, and um, there were so many people sitting. She was doing a live cooking show, and we didn't care about the cooking show. We just wanted to see her, so we didn't go for the cooking show, but so by the time we got there, the cooking show had just ended, and all of these people started to form a line to meet her. We were literally f- one of the first in line. We had got there at the right amount of time, because when the cooking show was done, that's where the line started. And so I just remember we got our picture with her, we were so excited, and uh, the first thing I did is I drove to the Italian restaurant that I worked at. I wasn't even working that night, but all the people knew, you know, we knew that we all were obsessed with, with this person, and I had to get there, and I walked in, there. We were in the middle of the lines, it was busy, it was cooking, I walked in and she began to show pictures. People were jealous, people were frustrated, but they were happy for me because I got to meet my celebrity crush. You know, we, we go through life and we encounter things and we, we want to tell people. We just brought our girls to Disney and, and so we stayed with Tara's grandparents. And, and it was funny, we came back from Disney and the first thing our girls wanted to do is tell their Nana and Papa all about Disney. Now, her Nana and Papa have worked at Disney They've, for 16 years. They know more about Disney than anyone I know. And so, But they came home and wanted to tell them every detail, every ride. They knew all the stuff, but they just loved the excitement because they experienced something that was very exciting. So in life, we go through circumstances and we experience fun things. And so Ezekiel was a man who had a lot of vision. God just spoke to him in visions. And and this morning, we're going to talk about this vision that God showed him that was life-changing. It was exciting, but it was challenging. But it would change the way that Ezekiel looked at God for the rest of his life. And that's what we want to focus on this morning. And that's what I hope changes your perspective. As we read through this, I hope that you have that same excitement. I hope that you have that same life-changing encounter as we look to God's word. And before we read through Ezekiel 47, we have to understand what's coming up, what's leading up to this context. So in Ezekiel chapter 40, verse 4, God begins to show Ezekiel this apocalyptic vision of the temple of God. We're going to read about this river that's being poured from the throne of God that goes into the world and begins to be an impact. But before we understand the river, we have to understand what Ezekiel was being shown from the very beginning. So in Ezekiel 40, verse 4, this man, who's a representation of, of, of God speaking to him and leading him, says this to him. Son of man, look with your eyes and hear with your ears and set your heart upon all that I shall show you. For you were brought here in order that I might show it to you. Declare all that you see to the house of Israel. So he's telling Ezekiel, you're about to experience something that's going to change your life. And I want you to open up your eyes. I want you to open up your ears. And you've been brought here for this time, for this purpose. And I want you to declare it To all of the house of Israel. So, from chapter 40 leading up to chapter 47, we have seven chapters, 202 verses of this life changing experience and encounter. And something that I love is in verse 47, he has this vision of. Of this river flowing in the sanctuary. But in verses 40 up to 46, chapter 40 to 46, he doesn't see this river. It's not until God opens up his eyes to see it. And just like our relationship with God, he works with us in degrees, doesn't he? Matthew Henry, the famous commentator, said this, God makes known his mind and will to his people, not all at once, but degrees. And we need to do that, even in our relationships, I remember when Tara and I started dating, I was that kind of person where I was, this is me, and I was an open book, and it's like I dumped everything out, because I'm like, if you're going to, if we're going to make this work, you're going to know everything right now, and that's just who I was, and thankfully she stayed, there's witness to that, but I thank God that in our relationship with him that he works in degrees, because it's not possible for him to reveal or show all he is at once, we wouldn't be able to handle it, we wouldn't, and most of us would probably go running, but he he reveals his will and his purpose in our lives in degrees because he knows our hearts. So are you there in Ezekiel 47? So the, the scripture reads this. Then he brought me back to the door of the temple. So again, he's had these visions of being shown all these places in the temple, but now he sees something different that he didn't notice before. Then he brought me back to the door of the temple, and behold, water was issuing from below the threshold of the temple towards the east, for the temple faced east. The water was flowing down from below the southern end of the threshold of the temple, south of the altar. Then he brought me out by way of the north gate and led me around on the outside to the outer gate that faces towards the east, and behold, the water was trickling out on the south side, going on eastward. Measuring line in his hand, the man measured a thousand cubics and then led me through water and it was ankle deep. Again, he measured a thousand and led me through the water and it was knee deep. Again, he measured a thousand and led me through the water and it was waist deep. Again, he measured a thousand and it was a river that I could not pass through, for the water had risen. It was deep enough to swim in, a river that could not be passed through. And he said to me, Son of man, have you seen this? Then he led me back to the bank of the river. As I went back, I saw on the bank of the river very many trees on the one side and on the other. And he said to me, this water flows towards the eastern region and goes down into the Araba and enters the sea. When the water flows into the sea, the water will become fresh. And wherever the river goes, every living creature that swarms will live. And there will be very many fish. For this water goes there that the waters of the sea may become fresh. So everything will live where the river goes." Fishermen will stand beside the sea, from Engedi to Englam, and it will be a place for the spreading of nets. Its fish will be for very many kinds, like the fish of the great sea, but its swamps and marshes will not become fresh. They are to be left for salt, and on the banks on both sides of the river, there will grow all kinds of trees for food. Their leaves will not wither, nor their fruit fail, but they will bear fresh fruit every month, because the water for them flows from the sanctuary. Their fruit will be food and their leaves for healing. God bless the reading of his word. This morning I want to talk about different stages of our relationship with God. Everyone sitting in this sanctuary right now, everyone who's watching live right now, everyone who listens to the podcast at a later time, we are all in a different stage in our relationship with God. And I want to read four different stages that we walk through when we encounter Jesus for the first time in our life. And this first stage, stage number one, is the trickle stage. You know, we, what's important about these stages, it doesn't matter where you're at, all of these stages are good, but in our relationship with God, we always want to be moving to the next stage. We don't want to stay stagnant in one stage, and we don't want to go back to a previous stage. We always want to be moving forward into each next stage. Many of you know my four-year-old daughter, Abigail, and she is quite the personality. And one of the things that, you know, we, we brought Maddie through her swimming lessons. We go to the YMCA in um, Lincoln, and so Maddie did her swimming lessons, did amazing. She was not afraid to go in the water. She loves to be in the water. She could be in the water eight hours a day and not even think about it. Abigail's the same way, but it took her a lot longer to get to that stage. I remember when we brought her to her swimming lesson. Refuse to go in the water. <laughs> now, the, 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 y, the Y at Lincoln has these four different areas in the pool, and one of them is called the kind of waiting area. And this is an area that kind of goes up to your ankles, and that's the place where she dwells. That's the place where she wants to be. She'll still wear her vest, but she doesn't want to go into the water. And so we signed her up for swimming lessons anyways, because you said to her, you can't wear these floaties for the rest of your life. And so when she realized that you had to go to the deep area, she refused to get in the water. She would watch the other kids, and I remember Tara and I were sitting there, because I got to go to one of the lessons, and we're sitting on the bleachers, and I'm like, we paid for this. And she's sitting and watching other kids go into the water. And I remember we would try and convince her, we would try and bribe her, but she refused to go into the deep. But, there's, but when you saw her in the waiting area, that was where she was. She would laugh, she would play, she would... So we would kind of put her in there and say, okay, let's go to the deep. Absolutely not. She'd play dead weight. She didn't want to go anywhere. But eventually, as she began to watch what these kids were doing and realized that they were having fun and realized that they had an instructor who never left them, she went from watching to sitting with her feet in the water. Right, good. And I remember it, as I was thinking about that, imagine or remember your first time where you encountered Jesus, if you can remember that. Maybe there's some people in here you've never had a relationship with Jesus. But what I love about him is he doesn't pour his, himself on at all times. He's just there. And there's something about Jesus that draws us to him, even before we fully know him. And I want to look at also the life of Peter. Peter was a man of God who, when Jesus came and called him, it says that he dropped everything immediately and followed him. Even in the life of Peter, there was something about this man Jesus that forced and caused Peter to drop everything he knew to follow this man. And if we look at the life of Peter from beginning to end, if Jesus said, come follow me and laid out everything he would go through, I don't think he would drop his nets as readily. But Jesus understands that in a relationship, it has to begin with a trickle. It has to start. And so Isaiah was brought into the temple and he sees this water that's kind of trickling from the temple. And it says that the words here in Hebrew imply that the water oozed or it dropped out. The water was first so small that it came drop by drop, but they would increase. In the trickling stages of a relationship with Jesus Christ, God just begins to give us a taste of who he is. Psalm 34 Verse 8 says, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. I try and get my daughter Madeline to try new things. She's like me. Once I find something that I really like, that's all I get. Every restaurant, I have my usual. I don't really like to go outside of the box. But I'm learning how to do that. Madeline's the same, and I know her taste. And so we'll go to new places, and I'll say, Maddie, just just try and taste it. She'll say, I don't want it but I know that she'll like it. So I try and convince her, if you just get a taste of it, it's going to be your favorite thing. And sometimes she'll refuse, but other times she'll say, yes, she'll take a little taste and that thing becomes her favorite thing. When we are... When we are not in a relationship with God, but we have just a taste of his presence, and we've seen that here at Victory. We've seen people come in who have no relationship with Jesus, but the atmosphere, as Pastor was talking about, they'll come forward, and they they won't be able to put their finger on it, but there's something that's changed when they come here. And that's the beginning of that trickling. That's the beginning of that, and that's what Jesus does. And as Pastor was even sharing for next week, we need to invite people to come here. Sometimes we're afraid, well, if they come here, what if someone does this? Or what if they look at me differently. It's not about that. God knows who his children are. And when we bring people who have no relationship with God into his house, he knows how to minister to them. We don't have to worry about what's going to happen or who's going to say what. God's presence, the way that he is, he knows people so well that he knows how to just drop a little bit, just a little taste of who he is, and it brings you back for more. And what happens is we begin to see breakthrough in the life of people. Amen. The trickling stage is always a great stage, but we want to move beyond that. For Ezekiel, it says, Then he brought me out by way of the north gate and led me around in the outside of the outer gate that faces towards the east. And behold, the water was trickling out on the south side. Now look at the next stage. Verses 3 to 4. Stage 1 is the trickling stage. Stage 2 is the controlled stage. Now this is where a lot of seasoned Christians sometimes like to dwell the controlled stage. Verses three to four, it says, going on eastward with a measuring line. So now Ezekiel sees this man have a measuring line and he begins to measure out distance from where the water was trickling and now he sees that it's changed. He sees that, it says in verse three, he led me through the water and now it was ankle deep. It's gone from a drip and now it's gone to ankle deep. And it says, again, he measured a thousand and led me through the water and it was knee deep. Again, he measured a thousand and he led me through the water and it was waist deep. This is the controlled stage where God is still moving in our lives, God is still doing things, he's using things in our lives, and a lot of Christians like to stay here because just like in the water, when we walk into the ocean and we can feel our feet firmly on ground or sand, there's an element of safety, there's an element of comfort, and there's an element of control. I don't know if you are a controlling person or you've been around a controlling person, but controlling people are good to be around as long as they are in control control. But when things shift and things change, you begin to see things different. And we as Christians, we have to learn to let go of control in our life so that God can use us for the fullness of what he wants to use us for. Amen. You know, what I love about Jesus and his relationship is he called to Peter and it said Peter immediately left everything and followed him. But then it came to a point in Matthew 4, 24 through 25. Listen to this. So his fame spread throughout Syria. So now his name is beginning to be known around. Peter and the disciples are beginning to know more of who this man Jesus was. That he wasn't just this really kind person, but he, he, there's more to him. And it says, and they brought him all the sick those afflicted with various diseases and pains, those oppressed by demons, those having seizures and paralytics, and and he healed them. And great crowds followed him from Galilee and the Decapolis and from Jerusalem and Judea and from beyond the Jordan. So now Peter is seeing Jesus' fame spread. He's seeing that, wow, this man can lay his hands on those who are sick and they're being healed. He's laying his hands on people who are having seizures. He's laying his hands on people who can't walk and they're walking. He's laying his hands on people who have demons, and the demons are leaving, and they're right in their mind. I don't know about you, but if someone's called me to follow him, and I say yes, and I begin to see that, that's going to want me to cause me to follow him even more, because I'm seeing the impact that he's making. But what I love is there was a moment, and we all know of this, where Jesus is uh, asleep in the boat and with the disciples and the storm comes up and what happens? The disciples freak out even though Jesus is in the boat. When we walk with Jesus through the trickling stage and get to that place where all of a sudden we're ankle deep, we're knee deep, we're waist deep, God begins to reveal a little bit more of who he is in their lives. They knew who Jesus was. They saw him lay their hands on the sick. They saw him lay his hands on those who had demons. But this was different because when he woke up, he stood up and he spoke to the wind of the waves and It ceased. And what was the response of the disciples? They said, Who is this man? And verse in Matthew 8.24 it says, the men marveled, saying, What sort of man is this that even the wind and waves obey him? They questioned who he was, even though they knew who he was. Because Jesus revealed a little bit more of who he was. In our relationship with Jesus, as long as we're continuing to walk in our relationship with him and grow, Jesus is going to show us more of who he is. He's going to show us more of what he has authority over, which is everything. And these disciples, they saw that he controlled the wind of the waves and they questioned who he was. And I don't believe this was a questioning because of a lack of faith. I believe it was a, wow, we had no idea that Jesus could do this as well. And how many of you in your relationship with Jesus have come to places in your life where you're like, wow, Jesus has authority in this area in my life as well. That's where we want to be. We want him to be opening himself up. We want to have the ears and the eyes to see and to hear more of the revelations of who Jesus is. Amen? Amen. But I love here um, in Matthew 10, 5 through 8, it says these 12... Jesus sent out instructing them, go nowhere among the Gentiles and enter no town of the Samaritans, but rather go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And look what he says. Proclaim as you go, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons. So now he's, he's commissioning them to go out. Now that they've said yes to him, now that they're growing in their relationship with him, now that they realize, wow, this Jesus has all of this authority. Jesus isn't doing ministry by himself. He's now commissioning them saying, I want you to go out and do what you've seen me do. And that's powerful, isn't it? But we still, as Christians, have to move out of this stage because just like Abigail, who wants her feet on the bottom of the pool and refuses to go into the deep, sometimes Christians refuse to go into the deep because they want to control the element in the Holy Spirit and what he's doing in their lives. And if we're satisfied with God using us here and using us there, but we don't really want to get the fullness of the Holy Spirit in our lives, I believe that sometimes God allows that. But he'll use people who are fully surrendered and open to what God wants to do. The controlled stage is a good stage, but we want to move from it. And what I love is, Jesus, how many of you guys have felt like you've been tested by... Jesus, or he's tested your faith or stretched it in your life. He does that for a purpose. So we just talked about this story where the disciples were in the boat with Jesus. Did you know that there was another storm that the disciples were caught in, and this time Jesus wasn't in the boat? And what I love is that they still, their faith was still stressed, and I won't have the time to go into the story, but we know that Peter gets out of the boat. We know that he comes back into the boat. And what I love is when Jesus calmed the storm, It says in verse 32 of Matthew 14, And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. And look what their response this time was. And those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly you are the Son of God. This is what happens when we are are walking in the stages of God and growing in our relationship with him. We stop questioning who he is and we start worshiping for him for who he is. They went from saying, who is this man, to declaring that truly this man is the son of God. Because they began seeing him move and operate in all the ways that God had called him to. Amen? Amen? This was the second time they saw the display of his sovereignty over the wind and the waves. And instead of asking who he was, they worshiped him in the boat, declaring... Who he was. But sometimes in this controlled stage, fear can keep us from going into the next stage, into this next level that that Ezekiel sees. And the disciples fell into this because God had commissioned them, right? We just read in Matthew that God sent them out to, to, to heal the sick, right? To lay their hands on those who had demons? Well, look what happened. When Jesus was gone in John chapter 20, 19, it says, On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews. Jesus was dead, he was in the grave. And what did the disciples do? They stopped their commission, they stopped doing what Jesus called them to do because they were afraid. And in this controlled stage, if we don't progress and we don't walk into what God has us to do, fear can keep us where we are. It keeps us from advancing. But I love what it says. It says, Jesus came and stood among them and he said, peace be with you. There are moments in our lives where we do get stuck, where God has used us. We can go back in our past and say, God has used me here, here, and here. But then we get stuck. We feel like, why isn't God using me anymore? Why isn't... And sometimes we just get fearful. But Jesus didn't come and condemn them. said he stood amongst them and he spoke peace to them. Amen. I want to be a part of the worship that comes from an experience and encounter with Jesus. Pure worship flows from a revelation of Jesus. Amen. We need to move from this controlled stage and push out into the deep. And that's stage number three, the submerged stage. So Abby went from the waiting area, the little splash area to move where her feet were in the water. And I remember one time we were sitting and watching her swimming lesson, and all of a sudden we saw her jump into the water. She was still had her hands on the side, but she was in the deep. And then we began to watch as she would push away from the deep, and the instructor would take her out where she couldn't touch. And we're watching her learn to, to stretch and, and kick, and she's building these muscles. And I remember when she came out, she came up to Tara and I, and you should have seen the look on her face. She knew the victory that she had. She knew that she had conquered her fear of going into the deep. And to, to look on her and see the joy and the excitement on her face, and I believe it's the same that our Heavenly Father sees. When we learn to push away from the side, to get from where our feet can no longer touch, to swim with the current of the Holy Spirit, God sees that, that faith in our lives. And he, I believe he pours an extra measure of faith in and, 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 and what he's called us to do. That word submerge means to immerse or to plunge. So Ezekiel 47.5, we see that he's measured and he's gone from ankle to knee to waist. And now it comes to a point where in verse 5 it says, Again he measured a thousand and it was a river that I could not pass through. You know, when I was younger, I would go to this Christian camp. It was for boys, and it was up in Speculator, New York, where there was nothing but mountains and trees. And, and I remember when I got older, we went on a, a, a three-day canoe hike where we, we canoed probably 90-plus miles into the wilderness. All we had was our clothes and the food that we packed. We had to make fires. We, I mean, I just remember going, I had no idea where we were. There were times where I remember we came to this place where there was a creek and it was wide. It was probably as wide as the sanctuary, but it was so shallow that we had to carry our canoes and just walk across. And we found this area that was in the middle of nowhere with this creek and we just set up camp. We made, we made food, and, and there were 8,000 black bears in this area. So I remember one night we were sleeping in the tent, and I'm, literally you can hear thumping outside of the tent. We were, as men, shivering. Like, it wasn't cold, but we were shivering in our sleeping bags for fear. I was waiting for this paw to, to slap across the tent and rip open our tent and, and have us for a snack. There was such fear in it. But I remember as I was walking across that creek, I was thinking about the scripture, and sometimes we, we limit God's power. As I was even reading this, I was thinking of that river, oh, it was nothing, that was, it was just something that they could control, they could walk across. Ezekiel's now seeing a, an expanded vision. It's gone from this controlled area to this, this rushing, massive river that was powerful. I texted a friend of mine, um, uh, Josh Eldridge, who's a pastor at a church in Western Mass last night, and uh, when, we were at their, at the, when we had served at that church, we were in a young adult ministry and we went to this place for tubing. And what it was was this creek that would go for miles. And if you showed up at a certain time, they had a dam that was a few miles up and they would release it at two o'clock every day. And so if you got into the water at around two o'clock, then you would get this, this math, the river changed. And I remember we were in it and it was kind of like slow, it was kind of like a lazy river, but then the water from the dam caught up to us and it got from the point where we couldn't touch anymore. And I remember all of a sudden I saw Josh fall off his tube and go completely under the water. And he was panicking, he was, it was like he was drowning. And I remember I started to panic and I, I got off my tube and I actually tried with everything that I could to get over to him, but I couldn't. We were just both being swept down by this massive current. And thankfully he got back on his tube and we survived and we did end up going again because it was a lot of fun. But the power of God is not something that we can control. It's not something that we can tell we, God to go here and do this. The power of God goes where it's called. It goes where God wants it, and it works, and it works in people's lives. And so when we immerse ourselves in God, I believe that this is the stage where the Holy Spirit operates and must operate. It's that stage where we push away from the shore, we pick our feet up, and we begin to swim. And it's in that stage the Holy Spirit comes, and he begins to operate in our lives. The disciples did some amazing things, but that was with Jesus, and it was why he was with them. Once he left them physically, he said that he would get someone that would help them to do even greater things. Isn't that crazy? Jesus even said to the disciples, you're going to do greater things than me. Think about that, church. Jesus said, I have to leave. If I was a disciple, I'd say, you can't leave us. We can only do this because of you, but Jesus is saying, I have to leave, and the reason is for that is so that I can send the Holy Spirit, the helper, and through the Holy Spirit, you're gonna do greater things than me. We don't wanna be a church that stays in the controlled stage where God does some amazing things and we talk about it. We wanna be a church that jumps into the deep and allows the Holy Spirit to completely use us and submerge us in all the things that he does. I want to do greater things than Jesus, and that's not pride speaking. That's Jesus telling us that he wants us to do that. And so how do we get to that point, church? How do we get to that place where, what if if you are living in fear? What if you are, it's true, if you say to Jesus, I can't do that, you're right, you can't do it. You have to have the Holy Spirit operating in your life to do what God has accomplished you to do. And I look at the life of Peter, and there came a moment before he was filled with the Holy Spirit. Listen to this. In John 21, 18 through 19, Jesus says, truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you were old, you will stretch out your hands, and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. This he said to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. And after he said that, he said to him, follow me. I don't know about you, but if Jesus told me how I was gonna die and I'm gonna be led somewhere where I don't wanna go and my arms are gonna be stretched out, I can't do that. But Jesus gave Peter an opportunity and still said, follow me. You know what he did? He followed him. And we have that amazing moment where the Holy Spirit was poured out onto the disciples and Peter began to live in that submerged stage and God began to use him mightily. I love in Acts chapter three after the Holy Spirit fell on Peter, it says that Peter was walking to church, basically, with John and it says they went by a beggar And look what it says in Acts 3, 4 through 6. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I have no silver in gold. Church, we have to get to a place in our lives where we have nothing to offer people but Jesus. When you live in the controlled stage, you think your money, you think your position, you think your authority can bring people to Jesus, can, can help you get from place to place. But Peter got to the place where he realized, I have nothing but what I do have, I give to you. And he spoke life and brought healing to that man's life. We wanna to get to that place where we have nothing but Jesus working in our lives and that is what's gonna bring people to Jesus. That's, going to, that's what's gonna bring healing. That's what's gonna bring deliverance is having the Holy Spirit just like this river Guide us and lead us to where it needs to go. And speaking to that fear again, there was a moment in Peter's life when he was filled with the Holy Spirit in Acts 12:4: through5, and it says, "And when he had seized him, he put him in prison, delivering him over to the four squads of soldiers to guard him, intending, after the Passover, to bring him out to the people." So Peter was kept in prison, but earnest prayer for him was made to God by the church. Peter was thrown into prison for declaring who Jesus was. You know what's crazy is James had just been killed. I don't know about you, but I mean, pastor, imagine if we heard someone from the district that we knew were killed because of their relationship with Jesus. What that would do to the church, what it would do to leaders, What that fear that could come in. And I can guarantee you Peter processed when he got arrested, I'm going to die just like James. But you know what? God still had something for him while he was still in prison. Church, we cannot allow the enemy to paralyze us in a prison and speak death. I guarantee you we had thoughts of you're going to be killed just like your brother James. But it said because of earnest prayer from the church that Peter was released because God still had more for him. And I believe there are some people who are stuck in that place. The enemy has put you in a prison, a a mental prison to keep you paralyzed from moving forward. But earnest prayer breaks us free from those shackles. We have to learn to pray through even though we don't, it doesn't look like it's going to change. Everything looked like it was going to be Peter was going to die because it happened to James. James. It doesn't matter how impossible your situation is. It doesn't matter how comparable it is to someone else. If God has something for you, he will bring you through wherever you are stuck. Amen. There are moments where I felt like I was swimming and I had no control in the sense of what God was doing. One of the things that I one of the jobs that I had uh, in ministry was a courier. And my job was to just to go to different medical buildings and pick up different samples and bring them back to the main hospital. And one of the uh, clinics that I would go to every day, there was a security guard, um, and I would talk to her every day. We would get a few moments to talk, we would talk about family and life. And one of the days I showed up, she seemed kind of down, and I asked her what was going on, and she said, she said that there was a friend who had, um, she knew a family who had, um, their son had been shot, and he was in the hospital, the hospital that was in, in, in Springfield at that time. And I just remember when I got back in my car, I felt like the Lord said, "You need to go to the hospital and you need to pray for that person." And of course, I began questioning, well, I don't even know the person's name. There's no affiliation for me other than a, a courier who's a friend of the person who got shot. But I just felt like I needed to drive there. So I finished my shift and I began driving there. I began praying, This hospital is massive. I remember I went in and I began asking questions. There was someone who was shot. I couldn't find where it was. I'm going up elevators, I'm going down hallways, down floors, and I finally find the waiting room where the person is and I walk in and this family is just, they're weeping, they're upset. And so I walk in, I'm like, finally, I found it. I'm, I'm thinking in my head, oh, I'm going to get to pray over them. There's going to be this big revival. So I walk in, and I say, I heard that you, your son was shot, and I just would like to, is it okay if I go see him? And they panicked. They thought I was the gang-related people who were coming to finish him off. They panicked and freaked out, and I had to convince them that I was just there. And I got, but I seriously, I got frustrated. They didn't let me go see him, but I went out in the hallway, and I just began to pray in the Spirit. But there was a part of me that just began saying like, God, what, why did you ha- have me come here? Why am I here? I began thinking that I wasn't hearing God correctly. I began thinking that I wasn't obeying God. But then even as I began thinking, Satan would never convince me to go to a hospital to a place that had fear and pray in the spirit. And so I did hear God's voice, but sometimes when we're in the depth, when we're in the deep, we will not understand what God is calling us to do, but we still do it out of obedience. It may not be the ending that we think or that we imagine, but that's the whole point of being in this stage, the, 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 the stage where we are completely submerged is because God has a plan overall. I never got to see this kid. I don't end up knowing what happened to him, but I know that I was obedient to God and I prayed in the spirit and I have to believe that God used that. He planted some seed in that moment. In church, there are going to be moments in our lives where we're not going to see the outcome. We're not going to understand why we're here, where we're going, but God, when he's leading us, will accomplish his purpose through our life. Amen? In the last stage, this is kind of connected to the third stage and this is the impassable stage. And I believe these two are connected because when you get to that point where he goes into the river that's swimming, it says in verse 5 for the water had risen, it was deep enough to swim in. So Ezekiel is experiencing this. He's experiencing the water on his ankles, on his knees, and in his waist. He's experienced this point of swimming. But then it gets to a point where it says the river could not be passed through, he had to stop swimming. And I believe in our lives, there comes a perspective moment in our life where we face something that is so impossible that God has to take us out to give us perspective. Because in the next scripture, it says in verse six, and he said to me, son of man, have you seen this? And then it says, then he led me back to the bank of the river. And what I love about our relationship with God is sometimes he takes us out so that he can give us a perspective of what the power of this river is, what the purpose of God's plan is. And that's the second part of the scripture is God showing Ezekiel the purpose of this river and what it's accomplishing. And at this moment, before I conclude, I'm going to have Tara come up and just share. Um, We had gone through something and I wasn't going to have her share, but God kind of just opened the door, and he spoke to both of our hearts, and we came to a moment during this year where God, we faced something that was very hard, and God gave us a different perspective.
1: Good morning, church. Uh, So we just wanted to share something personal that we walked through as a family, and it was impassable, and it was deep, and it was, uh, early in the year, we found out um, we were going to have a baby, and. We were excited, and um, God knew, but we ended up losing that baby. And um, we really wanted to share this because I think more people have gone through this uh, than, we, than we know. And I think even here in this place, it's probably happened to, to some of you. Um, but it was really hard. It was really early on, but still it was heartbreaking. And it was we had to grieve and kind of walk through that. Process and we didn't understand why, and um, so we were walking through it, and we we continued in our ministry and continued worshiping, gone through it, and um, there came a point where we we wanted to name the baby because it's a it's an important part of healing, and we were encouraged to do that. So I couldn't like it wasn't coming to me. I I couldn't think of a name and. Every time I would try to think of one I was like it doesn't fit it was um so I ended up going to a women a women's conference a few months after we had lost the baby and I was in a time of worship and being in God's presence is the best place to be <laughs> especially when you're going through something like that a deep heartbreak and so I was just in this extended time of worship and a worship song started and I felt the name and it was I knew immediately the name was Hope. And so I, of course, wanted to talk to Mike first, but I knew that God gave me that name for that baby. And we had found out that it was a little girl. Um, And so I came home and I told Mike Hope. Her name is Hope and she's with Jesus. And it just brought that kind of closure. And we were able to not move on, but just kind of deal with that and and now we know that we're going to meet hope someday and that she's with Jesus.
0: You know, and, and something that was so powerful that night, I remember it was a Tuesday night, and um, it was when we were having the revelation class. And I remember it was just before the class started, and I texted Pastor Richard and just said, I need to talk to you. He came in my office, and I just broke down. And I told him what was happening, that Tara was on her way to the hospital and it was hard it was i didn't realize how much it was going to affect me and i remember we're texting back and forth we couldn't even be there with each other because of covid and because just the kids and all these different things, but God was his presence, and I was saying this, what I loved is God doesn't have to take an Uber from our apartment and then go to the hospital and go back and forth to be with us. His presence was with both of us at that same time. And I remember as she's sitting in the waiting room, the, the, the waiting room, we're praying and still hoping that this baby is gonna come to life. There was a lot of bleeding, there was just so much that was, that was showing that this might not happen, but I remember I was on my knees in the apartment praying House of Miracles, I was singing that song. This is a house of miracles. Believing for a miracle and believing that God would bring a miracle. And I remember we got the text and she said they took it out. And in my head it was like, okay, but is there still hope? I kept saying that. Again, to settle that we had lost this baby. And I remember my, my worship changed and I began singing that song by Corey Asbury, Sparrows. And the lyrics just hit me so hard because it was about God taking care of us no matter what the circumstances bring in our life. I'm going to have the worship team come up as I conclude and Um, just pray. But I want to read this perspective moment for Ezekiel. When he has gone from the trickling to the ankle, to the knee, to the waist, he comes to this place where he's swimming and then God takes him out and says, I need to bring you to the shore. Because you may not understand and you won't be able to to handle the power of this river. And I wanna show you a perspective of why it is that this river is doing what it does. And look in verse seven. It says, as I went back, so God has placed him on the banks. He said, I saw on the bank of the river, very many trees on the one side and on the other. And he said to me, this water flows towards the Eastern region and goes down into the Araba and enters the sea. When the water flows into the sea, the water will become fresh. And wherever the river goes, every living creature that swarms will live. And there will be very many fish, for this water goes there, and the waters of the sea may become fresh, so everything will live where the river goes. Fishermen will stand beside the sea from En to Inglem. and it will be a place for the spreading of nets. Its fish will be of very many kinds, like the fish of the great sea. But its swamps and marshes will not become fresh, they are to be left for salt. And look at, listen to this as we conclude in, the, in this reading. And on the banks on both sides of the river, there will grow all kinds of trees for food. Their leaves will not wither, nor their fruit fail. But they will bear fresh fruit every month because the water for them flows from the sanctuary. Their fruit will be for food and their leaves for healing. As I begin to study these locations, how intentional God is for where this river needed to flow. It says that it flowed into the Araba. You know what the Araba was at that time? It was a sterile valley. Not able to produce fruit or seeds. And I remember after we lost this baby, the fear came of, of, is the womb sterile? Can God bring life out of this? But what I love is when it got overwhelming for Ezekiel, God brought him to the banks and he began to see where this river was going. That the river would flow into a place that was sterile. It would flow into a place that had no life, that had no fruit. And when the river, this powerful river, went into this valley, it said that fruit and life began to come to it. And then it mentioned En Gedi in England. En Gedi was a place in Palestine. It was a town in the wilderness of Judah on the western shore of the Dead Sea. England was a place on the Dead Sea. And then it says that the river would flow into the Dead Sea. Now, I've never been to Israel, but I want to read you something about the Dead Sea. The lake's surface is 1,412 feet below sea level, making its shores the lowest land-based elevation on Earth. It is 997 feet deep, the deepest hypersaline lake in the world, with a salinity level of 34.2%. It is one of the world's saltiest bodies of water, 9.6 times as salty as the ocean, and has a density of 1.2 kilograms, which makes swimming similar to floating. So why am I sharing this with you? Because the salinity in this sea makes for a harsh environment where plants and animals cannot flourish. It's a dead sea. Nothing can live in this place. It also says that the Dead Sea's main northern basin is 31 miles long and 9 miles wide at its widest point. Listen to this. The Dead Sea is receding at a swift rate. Its surface area today is 234 square miles, having been 410 square miles in 1930. The recession of the Dead Sea has begun causing problems, and multiple canal and pipeline proposals have been made to reduce its recession. One of these proposals is called the Red Sea, Dead Sea Water Conveyance Pipeline Project, which would provide water to neighboring countries and carry brine to the Dead Sea to help stabilize its water level. Some experts are even saying that the Dead Sea will be gone in 2050. As I was reading that and why I'm sharing it with you this morning is how amazing is it that this river that started as a drop, that started as a trickle, that grew into this powerful force began to flow into areas that were dead. It began to flow into areas that were sterile. And when this river hit the Dead Sea, it said it became fresh and life came to it. I want to show you this picture, a friend of mine, Andrew, who went, he sent me this picture of the Dead Sea. This is where the water used to be, just to give you a picture of how much it's receded, how much it's, it's gone away. And I felt like as I was praying over this, this scripture that the Lord was saying, we have a lot of spiritual pipelines in our lives where the enemy is taking away what God has given us. And we have these things of the world, it could be relationships, it could be other religions, it could be whatever it is, we're trying to bring it in to restore. They can do whatever pipeline project they want to refill this, but the only thing that the Word of God says that will not only bring this back to where it was, but will make it fresh is this river that flows from the sanctuary of God. There are people who have had things that the enemy has taken, that he's stripped them from, and the only way that they can have restoration in their life is from this river that comes. And imagine if we can be a church that kicks our feet up, that pushes away from the side and allows the Holy Spirit to flow. Wherever God brings us, whatever workplaces, whatever people are going through, there's nothing that's impossible that God can't restore and there's nothing impossible that God cannot bring to life. And people need to hear that message. They need to hear that word this morning. Matthew Henry says this, gospel grace makes those persons and places which were unprofitable and good for nothing to become serviceable to God and man. You know, we're seeing this new variant that's coming out. We've gone from the Delta to now Omicron and fear is crippling the world. They're shutting down borders again. And you know what they're saying is these vaccines, and again, hear me, this is not a pro or anti-vaccine, but they're saying that you have to get more. But what I love about these leaves, it says these trees, it's literally used for medicine. And it says that it yields fruit every single month, which means the healing and the medicine that comes from these leaves you never have to go back to because they're planted by this river. And whatever you have gone through in your past, you don't have to go back to those. When you plant yourself by streams of living water, the healing is for you as well. Stand with me this morning, church, as we just pray. We need to pray. The leaves of these trees are for medicine, for bruises and sores. And it's continually replenished because it is by the river. Some of you shared testimonies on Wednesday where you've gone through times in your life where you've had physical bruises because of people, what people have done in your life. And we don't realize that the physical bruises turn into spiritual and mental bruises. But these leaves which are planted by this river are for healing. And it doesn't matter the sickness, it doesn't matter the degree, the stage of where your sickness is, God can bring healing to that. I remember in my past, my biological mom had had hit us so much, I remember my mom, I found pictures where my mom had to take pictures of us when we came back from my biological mom with bruises all over our body. And she had to take those pictures to bring to the court to say, look what they are doing to these boys. And I remember when we were finally taken away from there, someone said to us, a spiritual man of God looked at us and said, where did you get these two from? Because they could see the spiritual weight and cloud that was over our life. But I've seen what the river of God does. I've seen it come in. I've seen it wash. I've seen it clean. I've seen it heal in our lives. And if you are in need of God, just just healing different areas in your lives, we want to take time to pray over you and pray for you. God needs to heal before we can reach out to other people. So Heavenly Father, I just pray right now in these moments, God, that you would just bring healing to people in this church. Healing to people's minds, healing to people's hearts, healing to people's bodies. God, I love how it says that the leaves of these trees are for medicine, for bruises and sores. And as we look in your word, it says... Lord, that you are a man who looked that, that was looked down on and passed over. In Isaiah 53, a man who suffered, who knew pain firsthand. One look at him and people turned away. We looked down on him, thought he was scum. But the fact is, it was our pains he carried, our disfigurements, all the things wrong with us. We thought he brought it on himself, that God was punishing him for his own failures. But it was our sins that did that to him, that ripped and tore and crushed him. Our sins. He took the punishments and that made us whole. Through his bruises, we get healed. And Lord, I just pray right now for a perspective change for people in this church who want to do more for God. But God, things of the past have eaten away and stolen. But God, we pray that this river would flow into the lives of people's hearts this morning, flow into their minds this morning, God, that we would begin to see healing and breakthrough in people's lives. God, that you would restore what the enemy has taken away. Father, we need it, God. We need to see a move of your spirit in our church, God. We want to see a river flowing from victory in this new season, God, that no matter what the world says, no matter what the world says needs to shut down, that a river will flow from victory church. It'll flow through the city of Providence. It'll flow through the state of Rhode Island. It will flow through this nation, God, to surrounding countries around this world. And God, it would bring healing, God. Lord, it would bring a restorative work of the kingdom to people's minds, God. We pray right now, God, that people would be healed. Father, we pray right now that they would no longer lean on the things of the past, that they would lean on the things that the enemy has put in their lives, that they would push away, God, that they would swim with the current of your Holy Spirit. We need that change this morning, oh God. Father, we seal what you've spoken. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen and amen. What we're going to do is, we're, again, we want to encourage you to come out next week, invite a friend, and believe for God to move. But if you want to talk, please take conversation out into the foyer. If you do need prayer this morning, more this specific prayer, we have people here that want to pray over you. We want to just create an atmosphere before the next service comes in of people who want to be healed. I know Tara and I want to pray over a few of you. I know a pastor will pray. Anyone who needs healing, if you just need that healing right now, these altars are open. Just come and, and, and sit in the river of God. Sit in his presence and allow him to put his finger on those areas that need healing. God bless.